Alright, do we want to do a clap? What, what were we talking about just now? I think you're about to tell Edwin that he can't talk about The Last of Us 2 during this episode. Yeah, I'll go for the special. Thanks. Hello, everybody. Uh, thank you for joining us today for another episode of Waiting for Stir Fry. Uh, joining me, it's uh, Sarah. What's up? And Jonas. Howdy. And, uh, of course, it's Edwin today. I'll be your host for this episode. Um... And today we're actually going to be changing gears for the first time. Uh, we're going to actually be covering a video game instead of a film like we've done for the previous episodes. Exciting. Um, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> what a what a time commitment. Props yes. to us. Oh, God, right. It's a game that we've also been pretty much telling each other to play for, what, five years now? And we finally <laughs> did because yeah. it was free. Right, right. And that, and that game is The Last of Us. Uh, yeah, not The Last of Us 2, some of you might have thought. <laughs> uh, we, it turns out that uh, all of us have been, you know, catching up to play the new game. And so we decided why not take a look at this this game. So as usual, just a reminder that this is a spoiler podcast. We'll be discussing the entirety of the game, all its elements, characters, and in, incredible in gruesome, outcomes. In the nitty-gritty yes, details. Yes, all the details. <laughs> And uh, let me just give you a little bit of a background on what The Last of Us is, if you have not played it, and would like to go ahead and do that before you get spoiled here. Uh, The Last of Us is a 2013 action-adventure game developed by Naughty Dog and published by Sony Computer Entertainment. Uh, In this game, players control Joel, a smuggler tasked with escorting a teenage girl called Ellie across the post-apocalyptic United States on their quest to maybe find a cure uh, to all the suffering that they had was, lived through. Was was that the Wikipedia article? Are you that is exactly <laughs> the Wikipedia entry. <laughs> Jesus. Because I thought I thought it was perfect. I I, I think it captures well, it. It, it does state facts. You're <laughs> yes. right. <laughs> and yes, and now we've made the succinct intro very long. <laughs> um, I will point out that we played the remastered version on the PlayStation Four. Not the original PS3 version. I don't think there's any major differences between them except the fancy upgraded textures and stuff. So um, it does include the la- um, Left Behind DLC, uh, which we may touch or not, depending on on where we go with our discussion. Um, all right. So I think the best. Well, right. So I guess we can talk a little bit about what our expectations were coming into this game. Uh, how about you, Sarah? Yeah, so initial opinion, um, I mean, I don't know what my expectation going into it was. I knew it was a big deal, like a popular game, so I expected it to be good. I knew it was a, a zombie game, basically, but coming out of it, I thought it was a great game overall. The story was captivating, the environments were captivating, really cool in a lot of places. Um, the gameplay was enjoyable, worked well with the story most of the time. Sometimes it was a little tedious, but... Um, Overall, I could see why it was so popular. I definitely enjoyed playing it. Yeah, I had a similar sort of going, you know, similar, similar opinion going in. I've heard a lot about it. heard a lot about, man, this is a great story. This is video games as art. And I thought, all right, well, I'll play that one day. That day finally came. I uh, And I think it lived up to those expectations. I... Uh, Really enjoyed the one big theme they presented. I really enjoyed playing it, despite the fact that I spent like 
half the game. I don't know. Super tense is how I'll put it to avoid a more graphic description. But uh, I think that... Which is a good thing. Yeah, that is a good thing. I think they were <laughs> aiming for it. And I was very uncomfortable. And at the end of it, I was happy about it. So I guess that counts for something. Like, it is good. Oh, the pain. <laughs> uh, like Sarah, um, I had some caveats on the gameplay side. But uh, overall, I had a good time. Right. Uh, for me, this is actually my third time playing through this game. And um, so from that aspect, I played it originally when it launched in 2013. And uh, I think I played it one more time when it first came out as a remaster and then this time around for this um, podcast. Um, so for me, The Last of Us is a cornerstone and sort of how I see games in this sort of mm, in-between between film and its own pure gameplay experience um and so it was an interesting time to revisit that experience again and see how it's kind of changed in the last seven years since it came out and uh so overall i think i still greatly enjoy it there are some things that i have definitely you know they're aged uh and that i think games do better these days when it comes to this particular genre um but overall, I think it still holds up, and it's definitely, it definitely still reminds me of the milestone that it was when it came out, and well, I'll probably get into the details later. Um, actually, yeah, why don't we start there? Uh, so why don't we start by talking about what this game means, I think. I mean, we are coming to it seven years after the fact that it came out. Um, so I guess... Yeah, I just, was, uh, right. before we... I was interested by that comment of... Uh, He's saying that that it's dated uh, and that it, there are things that are done now that are better uh, in this genre of game. Could you say more to that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess if I wanted to give you an example, uh, and this is actually sort of the same thing, I think Sony in particular has sort of dug in deep into this sort of third-person, narrative-driven um, action-adventure game as their sort of... 10-pole sort of exclusives that they used to sell their consoles, right? They started with the Uncharted series, I would say. Uh, of course, there were games before that. I think maybe some would go down to like God of War 1. But I think the Uncharted series in particular, Last of Us, most recently, I think the new God of War game, uh, mm -hmm. the Ghost Horizon. of Tsushima game that's coming out soon, um, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, and so for me, this sort of it was a big part of my growing up in games because these were experiences where a game sought to provide a narrative that was not only written in a very sort of character-driven way, right? Um, but also tried to intermingle gameplay elements to try and sell you on that narrative, right? And... Um, We'll discuss more of that, how that intermingling works anyway in the game. But I think Sony's been working on this formula for a while. <clears throat> and The Last of Us was the first game for me that it pulled it all in together in a way that made everything kind of believable in a, mm -hmm. in a way that you didn't have to second guess that you were in fact playing a game. Uh, and since then, I think a game like God of War has done better, this, this sort of narrative. I think there's more connection in that game, more feeling in those characters. And that's maybe because I have a 
long history of having played the God of War games, but I think it just does, does it better. And it also challenges the gameplay elements of the series much better. Um, so that's my aspect of it. Uh, I think generally, I think Sony's the one that's mostly been doing these games. Uh, at least in the big budget space, I think there's plenty of indie games that does this, but um, you know, they, I think there's a juggernaut of popular culture in what's driving what game design is like for the AAA space. And so I think I use them as a reference. And I think this game in particular drove that growth in the quality of the writing in games since then mm-hmm. uh, and in the intermixing of gameplay, but that's a separate part we'll talk to. I don't know if that it's if you can see that trend in 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 games. I don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, Horizon Zero Dawn's sequel is basically selling a PlayStation Five, <laughs> <laughs> at least for me. <laughs> That's right. So, uh, oh, yeah, I I've seen that. I've heard a lot of people talk about that. I don't disagree with that. I might disagree with you know your individual thoughts on God of War versus this game, but mm. I think. There is a different space for that conversation. Yes, yes. <laughs> we don't want to get off on another twenty-minute tangent. So right, yeah. Uh, anyway, so I think that's the context of where this game, why this game is an interesting piece historically, mm. and now we can probably now try and you know tear into whether what our thoughts are on this game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think sure. the best place to start is that it's this element of the narrative that it's really so. Con- trying to sell us right and that is with the characters i mean this is a character driven narrative and the main character that you play as is joel right mm-hmm. so what do you guys think of joel huh. <laughs> uh, i think my visceral reaction after at the end of the game was damn what a fucking asshole <laughs> really <laughs> this fucking guy i yeah. feel like that's the opposite I mean, of my <laughs> I'm, I'm in between. Reaction. I'm in between those two, actually. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> <laughs> well, why don't we talk a little bit about who this character sure. is, right? I think so. Uh, the, right. So, what's the opening? Right. The opening of the game has Joel at the start of this, the outbreak, right? And he's with his daughter, Sarah. Not no relation to our podcaster, Sarah. And <laughs> and you know, we just see the whole thing turn out, the pandemonium uh, that happens. And, uh, and at does. the end of that sequence, yes, she's dead. Yeah, that's pretty critical. <laughs> Unfortunately. We play as her and then she dies. Right, right, right. Wow. And then we jump 20 years forward, right? Into, into well, what's become of the world, right? Quarantine zones and uh, most cities fallen, no government, you know, federal government to support anything, right? And Joel is left as a smuggler, uh, right? Working with a girl called Tess, yep. right? A They're, woman. Sure. Yes. You know, it's, you know what's interesting is I don't know if they have a relationship, but what kind of relationship they have. They kind of are very coy about that in the game. They are. Yeah. Um, which I, I, mean, don't, I don't think of as romantic. I, sorry, what was that? My thought was I don't think it was romantic. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I, I don't mean, know. it's vague. I don't think it matters for the story, but I didn't get any romantic vibes. I don't know what to say about That's that. That's interesting. I, I feel like I, I got... Up anything. I felt there was it was strongly implied that it was romantic, but I, again, there's I really like there there's were... no hard evidence. But mm, right, I, I think there were feelings, but again, it's not like yeah very important. Like she and like when they end yeah. up losing her, it's 
obviously a struggle for him. I mean, so whether it was romantic or not, bottles. there was a relationship. There. We don't see it, but yes, he just kind of bottles it up and uh, gets mm. ready to die. I guess. I think but, I, uh, I had to read it as not romantic because otherwise, my reading of Joel starts to fall apart. Um. So, yeah. So say say more. Say more. Yes. About your yes. Yes. Say so, more about that. <laughs> all right. So as you know, so Joel, you know, has lost his daughter, the only person in his life. He's estranged uh, from his brother, right? Who went off to become a firefly fighter, and um, he's currently living in Boston. And he gets tasked with this mission, right, where he needs to pretty much deliver this girl Ellie. Uh, for the Fireflies, this group, the Fireflies, uh, to the outskirts of the city where they do not show up, right? And uh, and so Joel and Ellie follow this path where they eventually find them, right? That's the whole journey here. And I think Joel as a character, it's very clear, I think, that he's supposed to get closer with Ellie, right? She saves his, li- uh, she saves his life halfway through the game, right? And they spend a lot of time getting to know each other, right? Joel's very reserved about his past. Yeah, we never really find out much about his past, like within those right. that twenty-year gap, at least. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're, we're left to fill those gaps in with this I character. They, they they imply a lot of things, like <laughs> yeah, it's... Oh, when he's arguing with Tommy, it's like, oh, the things you've done, and you know, he's a smuggler, and he's done a lot of bad does. things for sure, but yeah, we don't know he's a, he's exactly what. It, yeah, we do know. We do not know the context of why he did those things, right? We know he's, right. done, he's done a lot of bad things. Right? It does sound like there was <laughs> some what... sort of turning point at which he stopped doing those terrible things. But I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't think they make that really? clear. <laughs> for me, my reading was that he was doing it for survival. Yeah, and I guess I, so. Right, and that's how but it's justified. He, usually, when he talks about it, it seems like he's kind of ashamed of what he yeah. did. But right. I guess, I don't know, I, I had the impression that he, I mean, he may have been doing more than, you know, just smuggling, right? I don't know if he was like a cannibal. I don't know if he was killing like innocent people for no reason other than like to grab their supplies. But, right, we don't know it explicitly, but... I th- and he doesn't really do that anymore throughout the course of the game. He's killing, right. we're killing the bad well, guys, basically, or the game makes you well, feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I think... The whole trajectory of the game is to completely undermine that point of view, the one that you're expressing right now. <laughs> At least that was my read, where, hmm. yes, we know he's got like a troubled background, and they're doing it to survive. But uh, I think there was a great exchange with David the Cannibal during winter, where it's, we, you know, we kill to survive, is what Ellie tells David, and then David says, so do we. And, yeah, I mean, that was, like, textually right. uh, just a lot of ambiguity. I mean, that's, like, hey, ambiguity for everybody. For me, so much to go around. a lot of Joel's character comes from the tension of, yes, he is, I mean, he's grown into a killer that has to do things that are awful. But ultimately, the question is, does that fundamentally change who he is as a person, right? Does it change that? Does that change the father that he once was, right? And so that loss drives his relationship with Ellie at the start, right? Where they are mm-hmm. very much, he does not want to get close to her. He wants to get rid of her as quickly as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And we know at that point that he still remembers Sarah, right? Because he he wears the watch every day, right? The broken watch that he had when she died, mm-hmm. right? 
And I thought it was interesting when Ellie notes that earlier in the game. She's like, hey, your watch is broken. And, you know, he just <laughs> looks at it and he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But, you know, in the end, the, the game follows this arc where Joel eventually does open up to Ellie. Um, probably because they go through so much. I mean, she does save his life. Um, and I think that element of him opening up to her and what he does for her is supposed to show that that Joel that fought so hard to save his daughter is still the man that's there. But ultimately, that man is a man that's driven by that instinct of saving the daughter. And he does not see Ellie as an independent agent willing to make her own choices. At first. At first. Uh, well, maybe it comes back at the end. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I can I see that. I mean, I think I what ultimately that. ultimately comes out is his protective nature. And I think, like you said, right. in the beginning, he didn't want, ha- want to have anything to do with her because she was reminding him too much of his loss. And right. we see it right. in the, the photo of him and his daughter, too, right? Because eventually, like, I think it was Tommy who gives it to him, like, hey, I found this when I went back home. And he's like, no, I don't want that. But right. then eventually, in the end, Ellie gives it back to him. And he's like, oh, you know what? I guess I can't escape this. Like, he accepts it. He takes it, and he also like steps into that father figure role for Ellie. But right. I agree, he kind of still sees her as a child in the end, and he doesn't really understand what she's been through or how adult she's become. Although there, I right. mean, there is progress there throughout the game, but I think in the end, it's still like we still see her through his eyes as a child. Yeah, yeah, I think Joel is a protective guy. He's at first unwilling to make the emotional connection of that protection, right? He's doing it, you know, transactionally. But as the game progresses, he does do that. But then at the same time, he does it in a way that's very father not thinking about the feelings of her as an individual, right? Which causes that tension between Uh, them where Ellie wants to, like, have a gun. Joel won't give her the gun, right? Until, you know, he practically almost Until gets he killed. five minutes later. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's quite so clear there. Uh, that definitely elements of, fa- you know, being a protective father. Like, we deal with it directly, textually, with the gun issue, the, the porno mag, if you'll remember that. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. We're driving away from Bill's. And oh, he's yeah. like, I got this. Look at these dicks. <laughs> and he's like, don't look at that. Um, so those are elements. And your comment about the agency at the end, you know, he doesn't uh, think she has her own agency. He's making her decisions for her, uh, of course, with saving her at the end. Um, Spoilers. I think that's an interesting point. I mean, we we (laughs) gave a warning. What do we need, a billboard? But uh, yes. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that does come back a bit. I do think that my interpretation of that is a little bit, there was more another element to it. Which is comes from sort of like that last exchange at the end of the game where Joel says stuff like, you do whatever you have to do to survive, you know, you got to fight for something, da-da-da-da-da. And I feel like that is why he ends up saving her. Yes, he's emotionally attached to her. Yes, he cares, you know, he tries to save her for her. But I think there's an element of, I need her because otherwise I don't know what I'm going to do. And I think, I don't think it's as, you know, I don't think that's a completely nice thought. And I was, you know, I was quite pleased with that. Yeah, but it's yeah. a thought that he's making for himself without involving her, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right, yeah. Nobody asks Ellie's opinion of anything throughout that entire last sequence. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, right. Which is an issue. But no, I agree with you, yeah. Jonas, on that. Like, there's definitely, definitely part of it is that 
he needs her. Like she saved his life. She, if, if it weren't for her, he would have been long dead. She cared for him while he was unconscious for who knows how long in the snow. And, but I think she also needs him. Like he may see her as a child, but she is really only 14 years old. And I think we, we see after, um, after she murders David is his name, the cannibal guy. Yeah. That's like a very violent, gruesome murder. She's like going at his head with an ax like over and over again. And as Joel like pulls her away and starts comforting her, like she might not have been able to handle that if he hadn't been there. Right. So, yeah, it's interesting because that is a reversal in a way. Well, it is a reversal. Early on, you have Joel completely stunting his emotions. Like, I don't want to talk about Tess. And Ellie's like, well, you kind of have to. Or how about Sarah? Um, and then he's protecting her. But, you know, then during this thing, you have, she saves herself. And, you know, yeah, very violently sort of venting or taking out her frustration with everything or just with that immediate drama on this guy's face (laughs) and then joel coming in to actually provide not rescuing her you know she's grown up at this point in terms of taking care of herself but to comfort her and i think that was right good uh reversal exactly and for me like that's the point when he's like fully opened up and accepted the idea that he's like there to protect her and right and that he cares for her right yeah yeah i think that came sooner I would argue that it came sooner. I would argue it came when uh, he decided to take him, take her personally, instead of uh, to the fireflies, instead of uh, leaving it to Tommy. Yeah, uh, I think that's when he was like, "Well, that's that's it," and that sort of locked in the rest of what was going to happen, in my opinion. I, I yeah, I guess that that's fair. The point where it's obvious. Yeah, I guess that's um, fair, but I don't know that that point when he started comforting her was a big. I don't know. Oh, yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, yeah, I, I think agree. it's supposed to anchor it, right? He calls her baby girl and right, stuff. Right. It's it's quite it's it gets overt like yeah. I am the father, you are the right. You're the All right. So why don't we talk about Ellie? Who is this Ellie girl? <laughs> <laughs> so Oh wow. Well anyway, Ellie is uh fourteen, right? She has this incredible fact that she's actually immune to this plague, right? I feel like we should have mentioned that earlier. Right. <laughs> but yes. Surprise. Um, <laughs> Plot twist. So Ellie's immune, and the reason they're actually trying to get her to the fireflies is because apparently the fireflies can develop a cure, making use of her blood and, you know, her... Her brain. You know, yeah. Brain. <laughs> her Eventually life. her brain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, um, I think what is interesting to me is that as a character, Ellie has a lot of things implied about her that we just sort of have to initially take for granted, especially Joel. I think it's because we're seeing the game from the eyes of Joel. Uh, You know, she keeps saying that she can take care of herself, right? She says that, you know, when Joel talks about having loss, like he doesn't even consider that maybe Ellie's had loss as well in her life. Um, Mm -hmm. But the game doesn't really give you, like, the story of Ellie, the backstory to her, right? You have to go play the, the DLC for that one. Um, and so, <laughs> what we're left in the actual game is this sort of very much Joel perspective of her as a character, right? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But she is tough, right? 
<laughs> she's surprisingly tough. Um, yeah, she, uh, she gets that. tougher and tougher as the game goes on. <laughs> right, right, right. And I think that's 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 important because you know the dynamic between the characters and how they sort of acknowledge each other, right? Ellie acknowledging that Joel doesn't want to really open up, so she needs to be more careful in how she approaches him, and how how you know Joel realizes that Ellie is you know maybe she is really tough, and I should give her more credit. Give her, you know, uh, it culminates with Ellie saving his life, right? That trust, right? Ellie trusts him, and Ellie has you know learned enough from him that she can go ahead and try and save him. Right, which I think it's one of the better parts of the game is when that that twist where now you're playing as Ellie, right, and you know mm-hmm. why you're playing as Ellie, right, and uh, and everything that she goes through in that in that whole mountain winter section of the game, it's very good. I think that's one of the better narrative sort of twists that the game does at that mm-hmm. point, right? Yeah, I agree. Um, I I would say I would agree. Just as a quick note, add on to that. Yeah, uh, I would agree that the climax is winter. The climax of Ellie, of sort of like that relationship shift. Uh, yes, but I think a good echo. I think when they get to the university, uh, when they fail to find the fireflies the first time. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? Does that come before or after winter? I think it's before. No, winter, winter happens. That's before winter. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so maybe it's not an echo, but a foreshadowing. Um, she says, it's just minor dialogue, like, as the game is going. She says to him, take care of yourself, you too. You know, which is, like, a big shift from, like, don't touch that gun, don't look at those dicks, hide behind me. <laughs> I don't know, I thought that was a nice... <laughs> it's like, ah, okay, this is the relationship now. And I right. think that little... You know, I think, I think I'm pointing out because it's such a little detail. Uh, There's lots of little details yeah. in there, you know? In this game, just the conversations they have throughout the game, they just add up. Mm. They add up to that that turning point, and when you finally to need to take the shoes of Ellie and take care of Joel, you actually feel like you are motivated to protect Joel, right? As a, uh-huh. as a player, uh-huh. I think it's very effective. Complete credit mm. to the game for that. Um, and I think that's also right. partly like why Ellie kind of goes so crazy, like when she finally gets to kill David, because that whole time, like she's she needs to survive because she needs to keep taking care of Joel, right? right? And that's like her main motivation at this point. Yeah. Um, well, self-preservation, I'm sure, plays a role. But yeah, yeah, uh, I would agree with that. I think that the DLC makes that point uh, as well. Right. Um, but I think hmm, not to lose track of you know the fact that she is a child, right? Like, yeah, Ellie's tough. <laughs> But they, I think the game is trying to convey to us that, yeah, but that's a damn shame, right? That she has to be this tough in this world, right? Mm. And I think the, the scene that really drives it in is, is you know, when she talks about when she they see the giraffes, right, in, uh, in Salt Lake City, right? Just before that whole ending thing triggers, you know, Ellie sees the giraffes, she runs to them, she's excited, Joel's like, slow down, <laughs> um, and then... And then they pet the giraffe, right? And at that point, she is acting like a child, right? She is yeah. seeing something mm-hmm. incredible for the first time. And it's moving because we've spent this whole game seeing the horrible things that happened to both of them and the things that she should not go through, right? And for that instance, we can see what has been lost in her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and a I good think- point. It's like a, it's like a stereotypical father-daughter at the zoo kind of scene, except the zoo is a crumbling building <laughs> in front of some right. giraffes. 
Yeah, so I, I like that because that scene highlights that the game understands that it is building a relationship, but in any other world, that relationship would be something common, something you know, simple, uh, simple, and you know that you wouldn't think twice. But that it's given in this context, it's 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 nice, right? It's very moving. That yeah, it's a beautiful scene, right? Um, so, and yet, yeah, I think that was a. That was one of the times where I paused, turned on the uh, photo mode, and tried to get some good shots of Ellie and the giraffes. That was oh, a, for sure. It was a nice touch. Oh, I waited there until the, the giraffes were gone. I kept looking out. I'm like, oh, are they going to disappear? I've got a giraffe shot or two. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, and yet, at the end, I guess now we can talk about, well, the ultimate development in this relationship is the ending point, right? We've developed them to, to be close together. We've put the relationship in the context of this world. And then at the end, we learn that, well, tough luck. Ellie has to die to be able to make this vaccine because I guess that's what you need to do to get a vaccine is to kill a child and get her brain. <laughs> um, I mean, you, you got to get a sample. What's right. a biopsy? We need the whole brain. Right. Um, and at this point, it's not... You know, it's not overtly clear, but I think it's we can infer pretty clearly that you know I don't think Ellie gets told, yeah, hey, you got to die, right? I think at this point, yeah, they put her under, yeah. and she's in the you know operation room, ready to go, and then they tell Joel, and Joel's like, mm, nah, <laughs> bitchy thought. <laughs> so, what do you think about that moment where Joel decides, nah, we're not letting her die? Uh, I was pretty conflicted throughout that entire chapter i guess um it was definitely very tense uh i didn't have a problem you know like murdering all of the fireflies like just the <laughs> <laughs> like the guys who were all over the yeah. place but once i got into the room like you see this red door and it's like okay we're finally at the surgery room right. and you go in and it's like three doctors and scrubs like about to operate and then I just kind of like stood there and I'm like, oh God, do I have to kill the doctors yep. now? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> and uh, quick show of hands. Uh, who used the flamethrower? Oh, wait, you can <laughs> choose? <laughs> oh, yeah, you could kill him however you want. Oh, oh really? I, I thought I cl you had to click square and then Joel just stabs him in the face with a with Yeah, a I just. Oh, no, I torched him. Oh my god! Anyway, not to distract. <laughs> What's the matter with you? <laughs> well, I well, thought yeah, no. no, no. Like like Sarah, I sat there for like an actual four minutes trying to test the edges of like the the space boxes. Like, all right, can I pick up Ellie in any way so I don't have to kill these guys? Right. Uh, and then it turned out I didn't, and you know, I there there was no way to do it, so you had to kill him. And I thought, well, if we're gonna do it. May as well go big. But anyway. Well, you only actually have to kill it. one guy, right? And the other yes, two kind of yes, just stand there. True. So I didn't yes, shoot him or yeah. anything. I just, I kind of like walked towards him to see if I had to kill him. And then, if, like Edwin said, like you just have to melee him and then <laughs> he dies. Oh. But <laughs> I also, I also oh, read, <laughs> um, I was just looking at this online. Um, but I read that if you wait there long enough, the fireflies come and kill you. Really? Um. Interesting. I've never tried it. Which makes I don't sense. know how long yeah. you have to wait, but huh. yeah, that's, I mean, I like nice I left touch. the room, I came back in, I was like, okay, I guess I have to do this. But yeah, I think, yeah. like, 
Yeah, so at first I was like, it really makes more sense that he like let them make the vaccine, but in the end, I was kind of on his side. For me, I think that element there where you have to make that ultimate press of the button to trigger that last scene, yeah. that's the triumph of the game. Yeah, yes. Because I agree Because that's the point where we've been led to believe that Joel is a character, right? He's doing it all for Ellie. But now we realize that not only does he do it for Ellie, he does it for himself. He cannot be without her, right? Exactly, yes. right. And she, of course, we're not even asking Ellie about her thoughts on this matter, but... <laughs> and so he's decided to That being go said, ahead. neither did the fireflies. Neither did the fireflies. Neither exactly, did the fireflies. right. Sure. Marley sure, but and Marlene the only one... are arguing about what's right, and neither one of them asked Ellie what she wanted to do. Right, but the one who would be betraying Ellie that Ellie would care about is Joel, right? And that's right. the narrative stake that we have at this point where we have to choose and we have to agree with Joel in because we have to press the button, right? Mm -hmm. Ultimately, mm -hmm. we cannot finish mm -hmm. the game. Mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. that sets off that, that scene that I think that that tension that it creates inside of us where we have yes. to, we have to be at the very least accessory to murder of these, <laughs> these poor people. <laughs> Is it's fantastic. Um, yeah. Many other games give you the choices like that, and you just don't even think about it. You just go ahead and do it. But here, the it's a it's a slow build up that works perfectly there. Yeah, because um, it's not a, it's not a choice. It's you, this is what you have to do. To me, when I wrote down, when I was taking notes, I wrote down. I feel betrayed. <laughs> I feel like my agency yeah. as a player has been betrayed. But everything to this point has been pointing to that. Uh, yeah, and I mean, even like as he's running out, he's got. He's got Ellie in his arms. It's like flashbacks to the beginning when he's like trying to escape with his daughter. And yes. then I was also, I was even, I was blown away when he ended up killing Marlene too. I don't know, just the oh. whole scene. It was very intense and like. Yeah. 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 No, that part where he's running away through all the hallways and, you know, they're following him. It's exactly just like the opening, and it's deliberate. I, I believe it completely. That's the point where we're mm. supposed to see that Joel, the man that tried to save his daughter at the start of the game, it's still the same man. Mm -hmm. Now he's trying mm -hmm. to do – he's trying not to fail again, right? And in a way, it's different because, of course, his daughter wouldn't have chosen to die, <laughs> but Ellie <laughs> might have. And that, that tension is something that we have to live with as well, right? But as a character, it makes perfect sense. I mean, I mean for me – to Joel to do that, um, and it just it just narrows it nicely ties the whole game together. Mm -hmm. Speaking of tension, mm. uh, an immediate follow up to that is when uh, you're walking along as Ellie immediately after this, and Joel is explaining what's going on, and you have to walk as Ellie behind Joel, and that was another way, basically the same thing again to me, where it was like tension is like I don't want to go with this guy after everything I've seen, I don't want to go with this guy. But the game made you. <laughs> it's like, ah, ah, why? That was, and yeah, another good moment of tension. And te uh, tension, I think, is is one of the hallmarks of this game in in the combat, in in the combat, and in in these parts here. It's very well done, very effective. Any other comments about the ending? Uh, let me see. Yeah, I mean, I think the reason. Another reason I was so surprised when he shot Marlene in the face was like the the recordings that they had throughout the Firefly Lab. Right. And so I guess Marlene's opinion is kind of interesting because I mean she's so for background on who she is, she's one of the Fireflies who was in the very beginning of the game. She was the one who initially gave Ellie to Joel to 
you know, um, bring to the other group. And then we don't see her again. We assume maybe she died because she was injured and that's why she couldn't bring Ellie herself. And then it turns out she also made it all the way to this Firefly base that we end up at. And she's kind of been going through a lot of similar struggles as we have. And she assumed that Joel and Ellie were dead. And she knew Ellie as a child. She knew Ellie's mother. And so it's also a hard decision for her to say that Ellie should have to give her life for this vaccine. But that's her opinion. And although she's against Joel and Joel is killing all these fireflies, we hear in the recordings that Marlene doesn't want Joel to die because he's the only other person who could understand the sacrifice that she had to make to say that Ellie should die. Right. And so she doesn't want him to die. What? He he chooses not to make the sacrifice. Exactly right. So she's like, yeah, I mean, Joel's the only one who understands me. And then in the end, Joel just kind of shoots her in the head. Like, you're going to come after us. I can't leave you alive. Right, right, right. Oof. Yeah, right. It's and then the game ends heavy stuff. With, with the lie, right? With Joel telling her that, yes, hey, yes. <laughs> you couldn't be, they, they couldn't do it. Sorry. There's there's tons of them. They they just couldn't figure it out. It wouldn't yeah. help. And I mean, we yeah. see it, it was right after suspicious. The right. Yeah, at least yeah. suspicious yeah. all the way to the end. But at the end, it just, you know. It just ends with that lie and us being accomplices. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't end with the lie. It ends well. He tell she tell he tells her the lie in the car, and then you have the bit when I was talking about we are walking behind him as yeah. Ellie, and she then chooses. Yeah, in the end, she dismisses her doubts because she straight up asks him, you know, are you telling me the truth? And then he says yes, and then she says okay. Uh, yeah, so it ends with a lie. Yeah, I mean, same, same, bit, but I did want to emphasize. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. That 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 tense walk, right? I mean, and the that fact that we as a player know what really happened is it's yes. what we're supposed to be left with that feeling, and it's great. Now we talked about earlier about that choice, that gameplay choice that we're given to kill the doctor, right? It's not a choice. <laughs> yeah, and I think that sort of moves us on to this next section where we we want to talk about not so much the narrative from the cutscene side, but how the gameplay informs that narrative, right? That we play mm-hmm. through the game. And I think one of the things that really caught me when I played this game for the first time was that it finally, it felt, it felt to me that it escaped that issue of ludonarrative dissonance. And uh, just to some terminology here, ludonarrative dissonance is um, the, the contradictions that occur between the, Narrative of a game that's conveyed through, say, story, dialogue, um, cutscenes, and the actual gameplay occurrences that happen in the game. So I think one of the f- most famous ones is also from Naughty Dog is the Uncharted series where you're, you know, the nice adventurer Nathan Drake who is just trying to make a big score, but does so at the expense of hundreds of people that he kills throughout <laughs> the game <laughs> with ever-increasing... Weapons and explosives. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> and hundreds. <laughs> right? And and so up to the point in time, at least for me, most of these third-person narrative-driven games had that issue um, where I could easily feel that, okay, it's time for an encounter. Let's fight the game, right? And then you had the cutscene where, like, the plot moves forward. But The Last of Us was important for me because it was one of the first games that actually melded the gameplay with the characters in a way that you as a player get freedom 
to play the encounters, whether you want to play them stealth or kill everybody, right? But both of those are consistent with Joel as a character, right? He's a cautious man who would rather avoid dangerous mm-hmm. situations, but he's experienced in all the ways of killing, right? And 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 so that made the game cohesive for me. And there's no for me there's no dissonance in it because of that. And and I think that greatly reinforces the narrative in the game. Because mm-hmm. it just makes this the whole game feel like a one continuous sequence of consistent, you know, interactions with the people in this world, with other characters that they meet, with each other, and of course with the mechanisms in the game. Uh, I don't know if you felt that way. Do you? <laughs> uh, let me see. I I do think, yeah, you're right. It completely embraces that conflict that exists in the Uncharted series, and it makes it the center part of the game. I think it's one of the big contributors to, uh, especially in the gameplay, uh, to like this big central theme that it drives home is that, hey, survival doesn't care about morals, or survival doesn't care about morals, because it shows you like... A lot of, for example, the human side of um, the people you're killing, it shows you the shitty side of you. Um, so that's sort of like the big tent pole of that argument. And then within the context of the gameplay that we're discussing now, uh, yeah, you do get this choice every time you encounter somebody. Well, most times. Most times. This is why that doctor scene is a betrayal of agency. Right, right. Because most times you do get a choice of like, am I going to try and sneak through? Am I only going to kill when confronted? Or, you know, do you pull a Django Unchained and, like, go ham on everybody just to, you know, pick up your goddamn Firefly pendant? Um, You have a choice. Uh, So, yeah, I think that is one of the big things here. Why it's very good. Right. (laughs) It was very good. And it's not only, like, that sort of (laughs) killing humans sort of situation, but also in, like, you know, this world where you have to fight these monsters, right? These clickers, this infected, right? And you're actually pretty fragile when it comes to fighting them, right? Like, there's plenty yes. of enemies in this game that are one-hit KOs, right? Nothing you can do if you do not have the right tool to take mm-hmm. care of them, right? And your aim sways a lot, right? Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it tends to try and fight anything head-on, right? You know... Also because you would be wasting ammo most of the time, right? So it's, it's, an, it's an additional tension, right? Where it's like, I, yeah, I played th- on normal. I wasn't short on ammo, but uh, yes, I see your point. Well, well, I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, yeah, for most of the enemies, if you have the big weapon loaded up with all the wep- with all the ammo, you can probably take them down. But at what cost for the next enemy you're going to have to fight, right? Then you're going to have to scavenge for supplies and things like that. So yeah, that's scary. I don't know. I it's also scary. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I to go back to your point about the player being not just you know you're vulnerable. You there are one hit KO enemies and so on. Uh, just more notes to that end. You know you have uh, the death sequences of those one hit KOs or just deaths in general. Yeah, they they're pretty gruesome. They are as gruesome as. Uh, when you like curb stomp a zombie, so I thought that was a neat touch because you know one you to avoid vulnerability. Them. Huh? You want to avoid them, right? Well, I mean, sure. One to the <laughs> yes, thank you. That is how a game works. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, emotionally, one you to the avoid point them. of vulnerability, and also to the point of uh, 
sort of equating you with everyone else. And mm. going back to this theme of, uh, you know, am- ambiguity. You'll kill everybody, but then you can also get killed. Who's the predator? Who's the prey? Uh, mm-hmm. There is no right. There is no wrong. Survival is tyranny. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Uh, to sh- Yes. That's all I had to say on that in a very long-winded way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, 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 wait, yeah. hang on. I did have more to say. Other other ways that the player is shown to be vulnerable and that people are shown to be vulnerable is all the grunting that happens. You can't get up on a truck. You can't get up on, like, random things by yourself. Like, all this, you always have to have someone pushing you up. Right. Uh, like I said, the death sequences. Early on, when I wasn't used to the controls, this was more of, like, a, a minor personal read. Uh... I mean, they're they're pretty clunky. <laughs> the L1 run is not great. So, I don't know. For, for that whole bit culminating in that scene in the subway killing all the clickers where you don't have a lot of gear and you don't know how to play yet, it was very... Uh, I felt very vulnerable. And it was just like the peak of the tension, the peak of what you were saying about... Um, you know, the gameplay making you feel vulnerable. Yeah, I mean, what about the one yes. where you're hanging upside down from the ceiling oh, and you can kill the clickers coming at you? <laughs> it's a stressful section. Uh, yeah. It's fun. There's a lot of... I think, the ga- there was a lot of auto-aim in that level. I don't, yes. That's all I have to say about that. Well, if they, I remember if they it being a lot enough. harder when I was little. When I was young, mm. I thought it was a much harder section. I don't know why, but this time it didn't feel that bad. It took me a couple yeah, tries, not- but... yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of scenes in the game that are really cool in that way that they're like unique enough where they're interesting and it's not just like fighting a bunch of zombies. Some of the some of the parts of the game are like that, where it's like, okay, there's mm-hmm. another room with a bunch of infected in it, and I got to figure out how to kill them or sneak past them. But then there are some <laughs> that I think are unique enough that they're like actually scary and cool, like the the one where you're hanging from yeah. the ceiling, the one that I mentioned in our earlier conversation where you see like the bloater and you're in under the under the, the hotel, hotel was it where yeah. like you're kind of wading yeah. through the water there's spores everywhere the lights I are flickering that. um that was so cool <laughs> yeah it reminded me of when you first find the zombies in uncharted one god i hated that sequence <laughs> do you remember that you're in the spoilers for base. uncharted one by the way <laughs> <laughs> spoilers <laughs> it's been like what 12 years i think it's fair um, um okay yeah and um, you know what? I don't one, – one thing to knock the game off that I think I noticed on the replay is that, you know, the game makes a point about you being frail. It makes a point about, you know, the necessity of the killing in the game, right? And how you as Joel have come to be that. But it doesn't really make commentary on the violence itself. Like it doesn't make us feel anything for the violence that we instill upon the others, right? Like the enemies kind of just <laughs> – Plop when you kill them. Um, you That's know, not there's true. gore everywhere, but it does. When you like sneak it when you like sneak kill somebody, it's very personal. You know. Yeah, but I don't see really their anything. Yeah. yeah, I guess I don't. know. For me, it's just feel like all this violence doesn't get explored in any other way except saying, "Oh, there's violence," and you can and you can be very violent if you would like to do that. But there's no inherent I, cost to that, right? I disagree. I think, uh, for example, in Winter with David and the, you know, the cannibal cult, uh, you get a couple of moments of like, oh, these are people, uh, because 
you know, you're Ellie overhearing a conversation like, oh, I'll get the kids to safety. It's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I think oh, there, yeah, there are definitely that. several parts where you overhear some conversations. Um, I don't remember ever where hearing you, about kids, but... Interesting. You, like, you, you're, 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 the game also humanizes uh, the people you're killing. Like, it's part of what I was saying. I didn't um, feel that. I mean, I definitely felt that the infected too. I mean, the the runners you you yes. hear them wailing and crying like in no in the no corner. no the infected yeah, but they're goners like they're not goners. They're still present. If you read like some of the notes, like the runners are like people just like feeling the infection going they're, through. They're them. obviously in is. a lot of pain, and you know yes. you hear these you hear the like conversations that people who aren't infected have. I don't remember like who exactly like talked about it, but I think it was like the kids talking to each other, wondering like if I get infected, like am I gonna still be aware of what's going on? Like yes, it's, nobody knows yes. whether they are or not, right? So it's that's definitely and that was especially uh, uh, pointed because is it Sam or Henry, whoever the younger uh, brother was? Uh-huh. Uh huh did get infected like he was saying that because he knew he was gonna turn and it's like oh oh right <laughs> that's not good uh, so i to to your point edwin uh no i don't know i didn't <laughs> feel it i did not feel anything uh, you weren't paying attention maybe um i could feel bad for the characters especially the ones that sort of get a backstory in the in the things you can pick up through the game but like mm-hmm. killing things in this game just doesn't do anything emotionally for me it just it's just fodder um, yeah I, i'll agree i'd never really felt bad about killing the people who i saw as the bad guys right and or the like, infected because they were already goners right and you're in a way you're just putting them out of their misery but um I mean, they did introduce I that. I agreed for... Sorry, go ahead. No, no I was I just going to say, like, they do point out that, like, the, the infected are people, too. Right, right, right. Right. Yeah, I just... I, I, I don't know. It's just, for me, I f- the gameplay doesn't make me feel anything when I do this. I, you might be right about the gameplay. Right. Because I know, when I think you the are narrative... Fighting, when you are fighting does. these guys, you're right. It's... I don't really think, oh, these are people. I am just focused on trying not to die and maybe that's a point in itself but i will say that in the narrative in the in the pickups and throughout the whole thing there's a point to humanize the uh the cordyceps infected folk Mm. there's a point to humanize the people that are killing everybody uh like uh people that prey on tourists tourists the tourists in pittsburgh Mm -hmm. you know you get to see their quarters uh, you get to hear them have their conversations, like they're killing a bunch of our guys. Oh shit! Uh, with David, he his point is, oh, I heard a, this young girl and some guy killed a bunch of our guys. It's it's definitely humanizing. It's definitely personal. It definitely feeds into this whole moral ambiguity. There is no good guy here. Everybody's shitty. <laughs> right. It's just I know it feeds into it. I don't feel any of it. <laughs> As a player. And I think oh, that could be explored. Like, you know what would be interesting? If, like, let's say you kill two guys early in the game or something, right? And then later in the game, like, people who are related to them come back and try and kill you. Oh, my God, Edwin. That happened. <laughs> what are you talking about? David. David. The reason David, yes, but David turns on you in a way is because you killed his guys in the university. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. But, you know. He's a weird character as a whole, right? Like, he's not even up for but revenge. But why? 
Rick, he's a cannibal, and you know, I don't know. Yeah, but he's a guy. Okay, he's a good guy. I think. <laughs> I think I. I'm somewhere in between the two of you because I agree that the game is doing these things and there was a point when I thought, or like that point when like you overhear the people talking about, oh, there's a guy and a girl running around killing us. Like that made me think, okay, there's a, a parallel here where, you know, they kind of feel the same way we do. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like they're a group of cannibals and the game also paints them to be <laughs> worse, yeah, worse than game... we are. And so but I does it does yeah, it, I, it in, does. in my a opinion, little... in my opinion, the way I felt, even though like I kind of questioned it a couple times, was that they were the bad guys and we're the good guys. Right. Yes. But I think the important part is that you question it. And the game gives you a lot of reason to question it. Um Okay. Th- oh, I just yeah, don't think it's. I don't I think, think it makes think it as does. ambiguous as you're saying. There are parts where it the makes t- you question right. it, but the torture, the torture. I just looked at my notes. When Joel torture to- tortures those two guys, who are just trying to like find the people that killed their their buddy. Oh yeah, yeah but they're cannibals. That's pretty fucking like, gruesome. He still kills that guy despite having the information. He right. makes it very brutal. Yeah. I- that part I was like, wow. A couple things that yeah, but that's, I was like, that's wow. the narrative. <laughs> but, it's not the gameplay. Right. Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Fine. <laughs> I mean, I think, but I think these ga- I think the game ties the two well enough through the semi-cinematic approach hmm. that hmm. I don't think you need to separate them. I don't know. I think, th- I, think I think there's a distance across. between the actions that Joel takes in the cutscenes and the actions that we take as a player. Like it would be nice if that display of violence that we make Joel do comes to bite us, the player, no Joel, mm. the cutscene character, you know? That's what I'm getting at. That's, Ellie, the cutscene character. That's fair. I could, all right. Mm-hmm. Fair. All right. Good enough. <laughs> all right. That was good. That was meaty. I like that. No. <laughs> we talked thing. a lot about, yeah, go, right, ahead. go ahead. Please. No, it's, it's an unrelated thing, just something to talk about next, if you had something else to say on that. <laughs> go ahead. Okay, no, because you mentioned the... <laughs> I mean, we mentioned how, you know, there are several, you know, things you could pick up to, to find out more about people who are dying, you know, humanizing the, the infected and the, the other humans we see. I just wanted to talk about the sewer because that right. whole section. Yes, 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 yes. yes. That whole That's section the part I was going to talk away. about next. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, uh, and, and you know, what is that? That's the world that we that the game creators are trying to build here, right? Yeah. So why don't you talk about the sewer, Sarah? Go ahead. I think it's a sure. Part. So the sewer, um, basically, I guess, was it after Pittsburgh? Or like right, right after, as you, yeah. Yeah, right as you get out of Pittsburgh, you like wash up on a shore somewhere, and it starts with a boat that you see, and there's a note in the boat from this guy named Ish. And he's like, I'm probably going to die in my boat. If you see my skeleton, please don't step on my skull. And then, like, I see a body on the ground a little bit later, and I'm like, okay, that must be him. I stepped on his skull, and I kept walking. And (laughs) then you get into the sewer, and you find, like, you find more and more artifacts as you're kind of, you know, trying to navigate your way through this um, with your little group. And you kind of slowly find out that this guy, Ish, found a, a spot, a safe spot in this sewer. He found some other people, like, you know, trying to find safety, and eventually, like, a whole civilization was kind of cultivated in this sewer and there are children there's like a nursery they have a system for collecting rainwater and like a whole kind of little environment is built they had rules for the shower which i thought was nice yes they have rules <laughs> all the over toilets. the place <laughs> <laughs> i read a lot of them society 
<laughs> yeah, and so, but at the same time, you're also not seeing anybody. So you're like, okay, what happened to these people? And in the end, you find out that somebody at some point, you know, left a door open as they were coming in after collecting supplies or whatever, and an infected got in, and they ended up all either turning or dying, right? And at the very end of it, you're in, um, you find the nursery, and this other guy, Kyle, who was maybe issues like right-hand man or something like that, um, you see him lying on the floor, and there's a note next to him saying, I'm trapped in here with all of the kids, everyone else has turned, I don't know what to do, I'm going to have to, you know, put them out of their misery and, you know, do what I need to do. And then you turn, and next to him, there's a pile of small corpses covered with a tarp. And it's just, it's very heavy. <laughs> yeah, yep. It's a little, I think it was a little more intimate, because I think they were, like, on a couch or on a, a mattress or something, and there was, like, a bed sheet, like, put over them. But yes, it was <sighs> intense. And then he had shot himself afterwards. Right, right, yeah. Which is, like... So he obviously again. had to shoot them and then himself. Oof. But just the, yeah, like, I mean, the idea of that... Yeah, the game does an incredible job in bringing the world that Ellie and Joel live to life, and I think that sells their <laughs> their 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 story, not only their story but also their their journey, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything outlandish. Like it's such a nice little snippet of this world, right? And that you feel like you're the only person that's gonna ever see this, right? Yeah, just by happenstance that you that you'll be bearing witness. Right, and you know Joel and Ellie are the ones bearing witness, but you're also bearing witness, and I think that sticks with me as a as a player. Yeah, it's just there's highly of, emotional. Yeah, there's lots of stuff like that. Not as good, well, not as you know developed as the sewer, but you know there's um, all the little conversations you can have with Ellie and Joel throughout the game, where they just sort of talk about things that happened before the fall, and how lives used to be, and how. How Ellie can't believe how people used to live that way. Um, it's just nice. It, it lets the characters fleshed out and interact with their own world, and then feedback mm. with us and our experience with them as characters. Um, and I think that's something that you do not get in a movie, right? It's something you can only get in a game because it feels deeply personal. Like maybe you're the only person that in this playthrough saw that for the first time, right? Or you mm-hmm. replay the game and then... So it feels like unique to your experience in the game, right? Even though it, it obviously is scripted, but because you had to enable that to activate that, right? Right. Yeah, like I mean, it's... like, these these artifacts are things you don't have to pick up, right? Like, you could run through the entire sewer without noticing any of this, although it would right. be kind of hard. But it, it it adds that that element that you're saying, right, that you are the person who found this... Um, out of your own volition, and so it's it's very personal experience. Um, I think another one that really stuck with me was the grave by the dam, just before they actually meet with Tommy in the dam, and uh, that happens right after um, what is it, Sam and Henry? Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. They they you know die because Sam gets infected and Henry can't live with that so he kills himself and um, I feel like you are massively underserving that, uh, that it's moment. tragic but yes it I mean is. it's it's, it's just depressingly tragic uh, especially because Ellie has to <laughs> witness all of that right 
Um, and I guess I think that's the only aspect of the game that I think the DLC undermines because it kind of just gives Ellie that experience of having gone through that instead of it being her first time so closely mm. seeing something like that. So, um, but well, anyway, I mean, we, she had to have been bitten. I don't know that it really undermines it, but yeah, sorry, no, ahead. sorry. I, I guess I'm not trying to undermine their death. I'm trying to highlight how it impacted me because when they get to this random grave that they find on the side of the dam, you know, Ellie's like, Hey, do you want to talk about what happened in Pittsburgh? The Sam dying and Henry and Joel is like, no, Ellie, we're not going to talk about it. Leave it behind. Right. And it just mm-hmm. worked for me on several levels on Joel as a character who at this point has not fully embraced Ellie and embraced the loss of his daughter. And also Ellie as somebody who's just experienced something traumatic um, mm-hmm. And at the same time, just highlighting the tragedy of what we just saw, right? And cementing it in this truly sad scene. I think the cutscene undermines that moment because it's so quick, right? That we don't we do not get a time to breathe and feel something about it. But this little side snippet where they come back to it really, really lets me sit there and let it sit in inside of me. So I thought, yeah. yeah. Quick note on. On Sam and Henry, as you were saying it, mm-hmm. to me, uh, in retrospect, it it's secondary impactful because, in a way, that's almost a position you can imagine Joel feeling the way that the older brother must have felt had he let them uh, take Ellie. And I don't know. It's like, hey, what what would happen to Joel? Is is sort of the question that comes from that. Mm-hmm. That to inform the later, the uh, the later events yeah that's a good point especially i mean there's definitely a parallel there because there's also the the section where the kids get switched right so joel has to Mm. take care of sam and then henry has to take care of ellie and so it's kind of like okay henry and sam they're in a very similar situation to us and so that could have just as easily happened here right and and since right after ellie runs away i think having that memory fresh it's what really ultimately makes Joel click with his own struggle when he finally meets, finds Ellie in that horse chase, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think it worked for me. Um, not yeah. the horse chase. The horse chase was not good. <laughs> no, not the horse chase. I hated those nothing. fights too. Mm-hmm. They were annoying. They all had shotguns. I couldn't stand them. But I meant at the end where you find Ellie in the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, all right. I think we're running a little bit behind, so why don't we skip a little bit of this visual and sound stuff? I think we can agree it's great. And maybe talk about the <laughs> aspects of the game that we did not like or have criticisms of, right? I think we'll have something to comment there. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I mean... Let me let me go on a laundry list. Actually, no. Let me think about the. For example, then that horse chase scene that we were just talking about, I think was supposed to be felt like a tense moment. Like ah, I gotta go find her. She's gone. But then it, it didn't really work because like I didn't know where I was going. I had to keep stopping. Uh, the back and forth sort of in the chase scene didn't work. It didn't work for me. Uh, and I feel like that happened in a couple other places. Where, for you know, early on, the tutorial was, like, super boring, uh, the horse scene. And then, for me, the DLC, the bits with uh, um, Ellie and her friend are 
first love, however you want to describe it, uh, where we know they're going to die, or at least we know they're going to get attacked, um, completely undermined that whole thing for me, where I was just distracted by sort of this apprehension that the game typically uses to its benefit. Uh, it distracted me from like the really good, you know, expose of Ellie's feelings and so on and so forth. That was things that didn't work tension wise. Other things that didn't work, uh, it's some mild, like, <laughs> super boring stuff, let's say. Uh, the puzzles got kind the room puzzles got kind of repetitive. It wasn't particularly adding much. It just kind of felt like filler. And. I think the last thing is sort of the, the levels where you had more than two people, you would they would all kind of run around <laughs> even if you were trying to sneak. So they would like run in front of you, bump into a clicker, uh, run around the clicker three times and then come back and then nothing would happen. I thought, well, I feel like that was that's undermining my tension right now. <laughs> I mean, there were also but, the uh, times when one of your companions would like get caught and you'd have to go and help them out. I like when I, I but that mean, only I happens think... if you trigger a fight yeah yeah <laughs> I mean not in like your it didn't happen in it couldn't just happen anywhere right right but it did happen sometimes <laughs> mm, that's fine <laughs> it's just yeah that was more of a, a gameplay that's just dislike. yeah it's like a technical yeah. issue I guess yeah that did undermine the narrative yeah, yeah. sorry <laughs> carry on <laughs> I had similar thoughts about uh, what you mentioned about, well, the people running around. It just, it just made me giggle. <laughs> but it definitely yes. breaks the immersion. <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, right. This is a mechanism. Yeah. <laughs> that there hey, is a... hey, get back here. What are you doing? Get back here. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned earlier, I think the violence, um, the expression of the violence you do, it's another thing that I noticed that felt... Hmm. Um, and I, f- I feel like the narrative compensates for it. No, I agree. I, still see your I think point. it's just I something that I noticed. Um, I uh, what about you, Sarah? Do you have anything? Yeah, I mean, uh, mainly things that have already been mentioned. Um, I do think on the the thing with the people running around, something that I also noticed, like to counter that, is when you're when you're crouching in the same place as Ellie. There's like a nice mechanic where Joel kind of like puts his arm above her, like almost yes. shielding her and i noticed mm-hmm. that and i was like oh that's kind of cool how they did that but then at the same time there's a lot of like bumping into each other right. um <laughs> so like it half works it half doesn't i guess and the other yeah. the only yeah. other kind of complaint i had was mainly in the beginning of the game because the story wasn't getting too intense yet but like um i think it was like when you're still with what's his name bill or bill Billy. Yeah, yeah yeah and you're like kind of just going through rooms of infected and at some point, it got a little tedious. Like, okay, I need to. It's just yeah, another room the, that I need to kill. The only parts that bothered me, I think, were gameplay-wise. When I don't know, for me, I keep having really bad luck with the stealth thing going around. Sometimes it just yeah. felt like the monsters glitched and they just heard me. And at that point, I couldn't do anything. They would just rush me and kill me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a little bit frustrating. Um, and um, yeah, I also felt like the what is it i forget what the mechanism is the thing that lets you see through walls and stuff kind of makes a couple of encounters kind of cheesy 
you can just sit in the bathroom, load up a shotgun, and just wait for all of them to walk <laughs> through the door. Because they have this yeah. weird behavior where the AI eventually just knows where you are and slowly, you know, makes you think that they don't know, but they're just clearly just walking in your general direction. Um, and after a while, it's just like, all right, they've seen me. They know I'm probably here. They're going to check here in like two minutes. I'm just going to wait here and load up the shotgun, mm-hmm. wait for them to come in. Doesn't that take like forever though? I don't think I ever actually used that to my advantage. No, I did it every time that they found me. Oh, same. Oh, okay. I literally, once, once especially you, in the sure. hotel. Once they find you. No, 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 in stealth. Not in stealth. In stealth, you can do stuff. Um, and oh, no, no. If, I was saying in the hotel. Uh, oh, yeah. The hotel, just, I used like, that rooms everywhere. and rooms, and you just like yeah. wait, and like you throw something, and they come in, and then you shiv them. And then you do it again. <laughs> yeah, there was yeah. a lot. There were a lot of guys in the hotel. <laughs> so those are the things that mainly aged. Yeah. Um, I also want to say I don't think I agree with what Jonas is saying about the DLC because I mean I think I, I just don't think knowing that um, she's going to die, the friend is going to die at the end, really takes away from it that much. I will say, like, yeah. with every new scene, I was like, oh, is this where she dies? But I don't think it took away from the exposition. <laughs> um, I still had a good yeah, time. I'm- I still had a good time, you know, walking around, trying on the masks, shaking the magic skull, and, you know, riding the carousel. For me, it's a reminder of the giraffes. Like, it's it's that oh. sort of thing that Ellie's not anymore, right? She's She goes through a traumatic event at the end of this sequence. And everything that we did before, all the playing around, messing around, she's changed after that point. And that change is something that we take for granted at the start of the game. We're told that, that she is stronger, that you know, she's seen things, but we don't you know, know that, right, for a fact. And just going back to this and revisiting that and seeing that all the awful things that she had to go through in that mall. Um, we also don't just, know... I mean, they don't show us um, the turning. They show us when they got bitten, but they right. don't really show us what happens afterwards. So we don't really know exactly, you know, yeah. what she saw. Um, yeah. And to but your point it, before, maybe... it doesn't matter. I mean, maybe when she saw Sam turn, that had been, you know, the first time she saw that happen. Who knows? Because hmm. we don't know if she saw her turn or not. Yeah. I mean, that's actually a minor minor point that I'm not sure what happened there. Do you think she waited? She saw that she had turned and then, and Did, then just waited? She, like, she said that they waited. I don't know. Yeah, but like what happens at the end once... Right, like they decided, they decided not mm. to just kill themselves, but I don't know right. like, if they then went but, to... Maybe they went to Marlene. Um, I don't know mm. if they just I feel like, like stayed together <laughs> until the... <laughs> until the girl turned and then Ellie like ran away or did Ellie have to kill her? I don't know. It kind of seems like a big gap, but I, I assume that they did go back to Merlene because yeah. otherwise how would Ellie have found her? Right. That's kind of what I was thinking too. But hmm. then wouldn't they have just killed the other girl? Like I presume that's when she dies. Yes. And Ellie, like they would have no reason to wait to kill Ellie. No, 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 because right. Ellie could tell her, hey, we've been here for like a couple of days. Oh, you mean because at that point she would have turned? Hmm. Maybe, maybe. I think that sort of highlights that Marlene at the end of the game where she's hesitant to kill Ellie in her in her notes. 
Sounds like she probably did wait for them to turn and then take them down. Hmm. But of course, Maybe. this is all speculation. Yeah, pure <laughs> speculation, no real, no real impact. <laughs> all right. Um, any, anything else you want to discuss? I think that uh, goes through my outline. Let's thoughts see. of thoughts. Sir, I need to skim through my notes for Sarah, a second. Do you, do you have, have anything? anything? Now's a good time. Uh, no, I think we've pretty much covered everything I wanted to talk about. I mean, you know, there are always going to be more details that I could mention that right. were impressive, but <laughs> that's just yeah. kind of a long list of random details. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like the big thing I took away, and then I thought this game kind of all came together to tell this one, tell the story, of course, of the characters, which was central. But it also, the sort of secondary theme that came out of it, if I'm going to put on my, you know, uh, high school English hat, um, this this whole bit about uh, survival is immoral, I think that was told really well. It was told in many ways. It was told really well. It was told by humanizing uh, the bad guys, the quote-unquote bad guys. It was told by demonizing the protagonists. Um, and... <laughs> and the ending, I, uh, you know? The ending is uh, ultimately a well, yeah, moral yeah, exactly. choice about I mean, survival. Not it's even a, a choice. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a choice for Joel. It's the game's choice. Well, <laughs> yeah. Sure, sure. Yes, that's a right. A choice for Joel, not a choice for the player. Um, God, how do I want to phrase this next part? Um, and I thought some like d little details that I thought, I know we said we we're going to talk about them, but we're going to talk about them now. Uh, because they, they kind of form a cohesive unit that I thought, maybe this is a thing. Uh, this sort of, as part of this survival is immoral, there's sort of like this motif of prey and predator, you know. You have the cannibals hunting people. You have you hunting people or just hiding from people. It's the sort of thing that, you know, is present throughout the whole thing. And then towards the back half of the of the uh, game, you get these, I would say, motif of uh, suggestive animal imagery, uh, <laughs> which is, um, how do I put it most directly? Easiest thing is, Hey, fireflies are symbolic because, you know, they're a light in the dark. They're a symbol of hope. Da -da 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 -da. Um, but if we take a more compelling and more uh, interesting example, at the start of winter, you start with this shot of a rabbit coming out of, you know, this really cool looking snow. And then there's an arrow that intercepts it, <laughs> so to speak. Right. And it just kind of dies. And Ellie picks it up and is like, oh, I got to get more food. And then she goes on to, you know, follow the uh, a deer and basically kind of a same thing. So, um, and all of this immediately before, you know, we get a mild, the most dangerous game, people hunting her to eat her, right? So, this kind of parallel of, uh, hey, this is a, this is a thing. <laughs> this is a thing we've told you. Let me present it to you in this great visual of a rabbit. Um... And I think to pull one other example, the giraffes, for me, also uh, do something similar, where it's, they pull Ellie out of her, you know, she was kind of down until she saw them. And as we said, there is an element of, uh, oh, this is childhood, this is, you know, uh, father-daughter innocence, 
da 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 But it's also, to me, another symbol of hope, a symbol of the old times, and right, it's sort of like a, a herd. It isn't like <laughs> an individual animal. They're kind of surviving out here in a group, and they're on their way. It's right before they meet the fireflies. So it's sort of this confluence of, uh, hey, things might get better, uh, and here's a symbol for that. Um, mm -hmm. But of course, yeah, we know where the rest of that goes. And there are like a few other examples that we can make an argument for that I'm not going to really go in detail, but like the horse, which is, of course, at a minimum, a callback to Ellie's past, and the monkeys in the university. So I feel like there's something there. But I can't prove it, and I feel like it might just be me killing the author and wanting to insert some meaning, because it'd be cool if it were true. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's my rant. That's my zoological rant. Well. I don't I don't know that I have anything else to add. You know, it's kind of, it's a literary detail. Is how yeah, yeah, it's I would agree. Literary I, don't, I, don't know if, I don't know if there's a thematic thread between them. I think that's true. I think it, they just, may... that's why I changed to like suggestive because it's like, right. hmm, maybe you know, this kind of invokes uh, this predator-prey idea, mm -hmm. uh, you know, which is about to be inverted, uh, something like that. And I feel like that is consistent with the level of, uh, the level of intention in, in this game, so. Mm. All right. Because like you don't put a whole, you know, 30 seconds of a rabbit getting shot for no reason <laughs> that that's that's wholly intentional hmm. yeah all right if we do not have any other thoughts i think one more th no, uh, <laughs> i think we can move on to um <laughs> give our final thoughts and maybe our recommendation and rating for this game how about you sarah why don't you start sure um yeah so I guess the bottom line, you know, as Jonas had said, you know, just a second ago was the game is, it's really about the characters. We watch the evolution of a relationship between Joel and Ellie, um, how he sees Ellie and how that changes or stays the same, you know, throughout the game. Um, how he, he eventually fully takes on this, this role of a father for her, um, and how Ellie changes and how we see how grown up she is by the end. And, um, Yeah, I mean, I think, the as we said, the gameplay definitely complements it. Maybe it's lacking in some areas, but it was a great game overall. Uh, I think it was definitely very tense <laughs> for a lot of it, which was good. <laughs> very emotional for other parts of it. The details, the environments were all very good and contributed to the, the, the immersion of the whole game. Um, and so, yeah, I'd definitely recommend it. Um, and I would rate it one full bowl of Halloween candy. Uh, with one of those mechanical hands that, that grabs you if you try and reach in. <laughs> mm. All right, Jonas, so about you? <laughs> uh, bottom line, very worthwhile. I loved the tension. I hated the tension, and I loved the tension. That was really well done. I, the, you know, Sarah already said the characters. I, you know, I've been harping on this theme because I think it was presented quite well. Um, so, yeah, I it was good. I... I am convinced as, you know, as an entrant into the, the genre of, into the idea of games as artistry. And I will add uh, one quick note that uh, something that I found about an hour before we recorded this is the official The Last of Us podcast, where you have like the writers and the creators and some of the actors, like they talk about the design of the game. 
and sort of what you know i didn't get to hear the whole thing which i wish i would have uh before recording this but sort of what i took away from it aside from some little details is that uh there's a lot of intent that goes into this so i i, I was very happy with that and if you wanted to you know, dismantle it some more. You can look at that for a resource. The official The Last of Us podcast. Did they say anything about the yeah. animals? I did. I I listened like thirty minutes of it, unfortunately. <laughs> but I, uh, they actually did comment on the uh, the rabbit scene sequence. All right, all right. Um, they 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 emphasized it as a choice. I forget exactly what the point they were making with it was. Uh, I think my rating is a. Uh, one out of one cans of Insta Health Cento canned Pomodori for all your survival needs. <laughs> Cento. And yeah, that's that's my hot take. Mm, all right. I I think I'll agree with you guys. I still love this game. Uh even <laughs> many years after playing it. I think it holds up very well. Um it still gives me the same feeling as I played it the first time and the same emotional conflict with that ending. Um, I still greatly enjoy the gameplay and, uh, you know, I even got to upgrade different things that I didn't upgrade the last time when I played the game. So I got to play a little <laughs> bit different this time. Um, mm. and then this time I even gave myself a little bit of a challenge to use the stealth, the radar thing less in this game. I greatly enjoy it. I recommend it to anybody who enjoys, um, action adventure games, who enjoys this sort of narrative focused, um, big budget video games that you know have sort of been going around but I think in particular I think this one has a lot more heart than many of them I think about this and I think there's a better cohesive story and characters than something like say many of the Assassin's Creed that have come out recently or something like that <laughs> um, so I would recommend rate it for oops, huh? sorry I, I interrupted you I was going to yeah. say I was going to tack on uh, recommend it for anyone who uh Likes to just feel angry for an hour <laughs> at a time, and then puts it down. Feel angry and like feel scared, feel sad. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Sorry, your ratings are. So I think I'm gonna give it uh, five out of five random pieces of food that you can find to heal yourself up in the game. <laughs> hey man, that was my product. You can't do that. <laughs> It's this not was a generic. Soup. It could be beans <laughs> or a candy bar. It could be beans. That's right. Snickers. Five have out a bullet of five one? beans. Snickers. <laughs> All right. I think that's a good place to stop this. Yeah. Holy cow. That um, lengthy. Well, All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, everybody, for uh, listening in to this episode. Um, and I guess we'll catch you up uh, in the next one. And uh, we'll see what we do next time. Thanks for uh, listening in. Bye-bye. Bye. Goodbye. I will point out to the listeners that we do have a mailbag. Uh, if you want to send questions, comments, you know, have you got a cool reading that we didn't get to? Did you see some great details that we didn't? Do you have a suggestion mm. of something we should watch? And cover, send it at waitingforstirfry at gmail.com. We'll buy a domain name eventually, maybe. But until then, waitingforstirfry at gmail.com.